going? Good, good, good. Good to see you here this morning. Um, just real quickly before we get too far along, just want to invite you to stick around a little bit after services. We're going to have a baptism, which is always exciting, something that we celebrate as a church. So uh, we want you to stick around um, and uh, participate in that. Just celebrate, celebrate that with us. So we'll do that following uh, our prayer with, uh, when we close. Um, so let's just jump right in. All right, book of James. You have your Bibles, you have your iPads, you have uh, something, iPhones, whatever you use to read your Bible. Book of James, chapter 1. Book of James, chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 5. James 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. If any of you lacks wisdom. So uh, we have a family that cleans the church building every week, and they do a great job. They had been out of town, and we had a substitute family come in and clean the church building, uh, and they did a good job as well. But it's the whole family, like the whole family is involved in this, like, like mom, dad, kids, everybody. And so a couple of weeks ago, you know, I'm here at the building working on my sermon, thinking about this upcoming sermon that we're going to be talking about. And uh, there is this, uh, I, think he's, I think he's 10, and his name's CJ, and he's just working his tail off, cleaning, sweeping, all this stuff. And I'm just like... I'm kind of blown away. I was impressed. I was totally impressed with CJ working so hard. And so I'm standing there talking to him. He's out in our fellowship hall, and he's got a broom, and he's sweeping that floor. He's doing a great job sweeping that floor. And I I went up to him. I was like, CJ, you you are doing such a good job. I like, I am really impressed with how hard you're working. What a good job you're doing. I mean, it's just really impressive. Not that I had low expectations of CJ, but, you know, it was impressive, right? Um, and he said, he kind of leaned on his broom, put his arm up on his broom. And if you've ever seen those movies where, you know, there's a scene with the wise old janitor doling out the advice, kind of like that. That's kind of what it was like. CJ leaning on his broom and he's like, he said this. This is, I quote, I did not make this up. He said, well, a wise man once told me, oh, this is going to be interesting, right? You know, like I better get my notebook out. What did a wise man once tell you? And he says, wise man once told me that, the harder you work, the faster you get done, which is true, right? That's, that's good. And then there was this little extra, like that, that's something, you know, Benjamin Franklin might have said, right? The harder you work, the faster you get done. So you, and then the rest of it was, so you can go play video games and stuff. That was the quote. And I, I just want to see like an Instagram post, you know, a nice background, the harder you work, the faster you get done, so you can go play video games and stuff. And if, if nothing else, I mean, that's probably good advice. I'm glad you came to church this Sunday so you could get that advice. Just so you know, the harder you work, the faster you get done, play video games. But when I read this verse out of the book of James chapter 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, I am an immediately like, ding, 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 that's me. I lack wisdom. Like, and you could even throw the subject out there. Relationships, whoop, that's me. Parenting, that's me. How to be a good preacher. (laughs) That's me. You know, all of it. Like, all of it. I feel like I constantly lack wisdom. And I know that probably doesn't give you a lot of confidence. You're like, well, you're up there teaching us about wisdom, and you're saying you don't have any. Bear with me. I'll I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. I've done a lot of study, but I feel like that's totally me. Lacks wisdom? That's a rhetorical statement, right? Of course. Of course we lack wisdom. You show me the person who thinks they don't lack wisdom, and I'll show you a person who lacks wisdom. That's exactly what the Bible says. The person who thinks they know does not yet know as they ought to know. Because if they knew as they ought to know, they would not think they know. Say that ten times fast, right? So I lack wisdom. I kind of think you do too. But it's like every single day. Every single day. So I'm working on this sermon and I'm thinking, you know what? 
I got I to gotta think about this. Do I really, like I want to be honest with the congregation. Do I really lack wisdom? Is that really, so I started a little, uh, what is Patrick unwise about today diary? And I started on Monday and I wrote down Monday. Hmm, is there anything that I'm confused about or need wisdom? And I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> that's, I'm not going to tell you what it is because that would be a little embarrassing. I wrote that down and then I was like, well, Tuesday comes along. Oh, Tuesday got even worse. Like, I didn't get more wise, it felt like, between Monday and Tuesday. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Now, I know, again, you're, you're feeling like, Patrick, come on, you got to give yourself a little credit. You're not that dumb. You don't know me, right? <laughs> I mean, I know what I am capable of and what I'm not capable of. But I tell you what, and I think this is true for all of us, but I know it's true for me, that I, I, when James says that, if any of you lack wisdom, I'm in. All right, what do you have to tell me? Because I totally, I come to situations in my life all the time where I feel like, God, please help me understand what's going on here. Every single day. So we're in part two of our Things Are Not What They Appear series. And if you've been with us, we just started it last week, so don't feel like you're too far out. But last week we we tried to explain the idea of why God might allow hardship and difficulty in someone's life. Not just allow it, but allow it as an act of love. Because we believe that God uses those hardships and those difficulties to develop within us a quality that cannot be uh, attained without that. He's developing with us perseverance that you just can't learn in a textbook. You just can't learn it. We can academically say, oh God, I'll, be, I'll endure, I'll persevere. But God says, no, until you're in the situation, you don't know what you're made of. And so he allows us to go through hardship. God doesn't uh, always protect us from bad things because in doing so, he would protect us from growth. We talked about that a little bit last week. Um, and so if, you're, if, uh, if you were with us last week, you kind of remember that. We probably tackled, tackled the idea of, of why. Why would God allow difficult things? And then if, if there's a way to kind of like oversimplify what we're going to talk about today, it'd probably be the question of what. Like what do we do now when we're in these situations? What do we do? So last week was largely why, and this week is largely what. Wisdom is, broadly speaking, the understanding that things are not what they appear. Very broadly speaking. Things are not what they appear. And there is this larger picture that we need to grab hold of. Because difficulty, pain, hardship have a way of narrowing our focus, right? And it doesn't have to be big stuff. I know some of you struggle with huge things. you got big things in your life and it narrows your focus to those big things. But for a lot of us it can be like a cold, right? God, why? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Well, it's, it's cold. You'll, you'll get over it. I know, but it's been three days now. Well, learn a little perseverance, right? We'll, we'll get through this a little bit. But they have this way of making us focus on just those things, and we lose sight of the bigger picture. And wisdom would be expanding our understanding of our lives to incorporate those things that are relatively small into this bigger picture of what God is doing in our lives and in the world. We lose sight of it. Choices that otherwise might be clear kind of lose their place. Priorities get turned upside down. And, and this is why, if you've ever noticed, it's easier to look into somebody else's life and give them good advice than it is your own. Because you don't have that emotional involvement that you have in your own. Like, like you can't clearly see these relationship, relational difficulties or what it's right to do in a relationship in your life because your emotions are all bound up into it. And that's why you talk to somebody else and they're like, here's what you should do. They're not emotionally invested. Sometimes it's good advice, sometimes it's bad. Let me see if I can uh, summarize an area where you could use wisdom. I'm going to throw a few things out there, and I'm going to see if any of these land with you. 
So maybe it's a relationship where you feel like you're out of options with how to deal with this person. God, give me wisdom. Uh, Maybe you have too many choices in front of you and you're feeling a little paralyzed because you don't want to make a bad one. God, give me wisdom. Maybe you've gotten yourselves into some difficulty or jam by not being very wise and now you need wisdom to get out of it. Maybe it's self-inflicted. God, give me wisdom. Maybe we've uh, got ourselves into this problem and we just keep kicking the can down the road a little bit. You know what I mean? Ooh, I don't want to deal with that. Let's <laughs> shuffle that off. I'll deal with that later. But we're going to have to deal with it sometime. God, give me wisdom. Maybe you've made a decision, but you're not sure it's the right one. And you're now in the middle of it. And you're thinking, God, give me wisdom. Maybe you're thinking right now, somebody needs to turn off their phone. And they need wisdom to figure that out. God, give them wisdom. It's a little distracting, I know. But I think no matter where we are, no matter what we've been in, no matter what struggle we have, there's this idea of needing to know what we should do. Needing guidance from a Someone who has a bigger perspective on life than we do. And this is what James says. If any of you lacks wisdom, check me, you should ask God. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Wisdom, in part, is determining who not to listen to. Wisdom, in part, is determining who not to listen to. One, uh, I don't know, it was probably one evening, we were sitting in our living room, and me and my wife, kids, hanging out, doing who knows what. And Liam comes up to us and he's, he says, Mom, Dad, <laughs> did you know there's an alligator in our pond? And we have a pond in our backyard. It's not really our backyard. It's the neighbor's backyard, but it's a nice view. Pond. And, uh, and he said, Dad, did you know there's an alligator in our backyard? And I'm like, I don't think there is. Now, he's four, just a little perspective. He's not like 25 or so. He's four. There's, a, there's an alligator in our pond in the back." Yard. Now, when you have a four-year-old, you hear stuff like that all the time. You don't think a lot of it. You know how, like, when kids, they're just always saying crazy stuff, and you're like, Liam, there's no alligator in the pond in our backyard. It's fine. Now, what I wanted to say and what I didn't, because I have a little bit of wisdom, I wanted to say, like, yeah, there is an alligator in our pond in the backyard. Do you know where little boys go when they don't go to bed at night and they keep getting up saying they got to go to the bathroom and need water? Do you know what happens? You, know, you remember your older brother? No, that's what happened. <laughs> There is an alligator. You need to be obedient, right? Probably shouldn't lie to our kids, but I didn't say that. I just said, no, there's no alligator. Now, he's insistent. He's insistent, Dad, there's an alligator in our backyard. And I'm like, why do you think there's an alligator in our backyard? And he said, because Felipe told me there's an alligator in our backyard. Oh, Felipe. Felipe's a six-year-old neighbor. Now, he's six, so he's seen some things, right? He has some worldly knowledge, some worldly wisdom. And he and Liam, they run around all summer playing. And Felipe told them there was an alligator in our backyard. So Felipe, six years old, trusted source, there's an alligator. I'm like, buddy, there's not an alligator. Now, this is dumb. I'm having an argument with my son about whether or not there's an alligator in our pond in the backyard because Felipe told him so. I should have said, there's no alligator, go to bed, right? But instead, I'm like, I'm arguing with him. He's a four-year-old, so who needs wisdom, right? I'm arguing with him. And, uh, and so I'm like, well, I do probably what every good parent does when there's this sort of conflict. I look it up on Google, right? And I, so what I did is I Googled, are there alligators in Minnesota, right? And I want, first, you have to, what you have to do is you have to figure out the difference between alligators and crocodiles, right? And I figured out that there's really no difference if one is chasing you. It's pretty much the same thing. 
something to do with their noses or something like that. So uh, I, 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 here's this other voice telling our son. And so I looked this up. Are there alligators in Minnesota expecting the internet to tell me, no, there are no alligators. Don't be ridiculous, right? Instead, I see this. Liam, listen, buddy, there are no alligators in Minnesota. I will appeal to the highest source in the land, Google, and it will reveal to us the knowledge. And instead of confirming what I had believed, it said there was another alligator found in Minnesota. That word another really kind of bothered me. I was like, maybe one, but another alligator in Minnesota? Now, this is way up in Cass County, and uh, they found an alligator sunning itself on the beach. You're like, what, what? Wait a second. Wait a second. Now, hopefully, I don't know, hopefully these were alligators that were just released as pets. Or I, but, but there's been three found this last summer in northern Minnesota. Three alligators. Next time you go to the cabin for the weekend and you're swimming. And you're... No, I'm sure that they're just, you know, whatever. Some, somebody had a pet and they let it go. Don't worry about this. And I think Liam believes us, but I didn't show him this article. I didn't tell him, like, hey, guess what, buddy? I think he believes this, that there's, you know, now alligators aren't like native to, to Minnesota. But even at, a, at, at four years old, here's this kid who's beginning to realize, and, or a parent really, who's beginning to realize that there are more voices than a parent's that are involved in the kid's life. Now, alligators in the pond, no big deal. But w- what other kinds of voices are, are sharing their knowledge with my kids, right? You as parents, do you ever have worries about that? You ever have worries about the influence of other, their peers? Who, what kind of advice are they giving them? What kind of, what's going on? You want to protect your kids from some of that? You want to expose them to good influences? But there's lots of voices. And one of the issues of wisdom is knowing who not to listen to. Because there's so much noise out in the world. One thing is clear. It's our problem in life isn't lack of advice. And here's the difficulty. I want to just run through a couple things real quick. But... So much of what passes for wisdom in our world are hollow platitudes that can be filled with whatever meaning you want. Let me give you an example. The the great philosopher Demi Lovato said, do what makes you happy and don't care what others think. That's a pretty common sentiment. That's not something that you have not been exposed to before. Do what makes you happy and don't care what other people think. That's, that's a theme that is getting repeated in popular culture. This isn't the sermon against popular culture. But that's a theme that's getting repeated. Now, is that good advice? Yes, it's good advice. You're like, wait a second. You were setting us up there. What's going on? Sometimes it's good advice, right? Hey, uh, I, I really, I think I would love to pursue a career in this field. It'll pay well, take care of my family. I would really enjoy it rather than, you know, this thing that I've been doing. I want to get my degree Sure, do what makes you happy. That's not bad advice, right? That's good advice. Do what makes you happy. Hey, uh, I want to I eat a donut for breakfast every day. I like donuts on Sundays. I want them for breakfast every day. Well, you're not my kid. Do what makes you happy, right? <laughs> Maybe not as great advice. Hey, I, I found someone else that it isn't my spouse. And I think I'm in love. And I think I want to start a life with them. Hey, do what makes you happy. Not so much, huh? And here's the thing. That piece of advice is just a hollow platitude. And you can fill it with whatever you want. 
But I'll, I guarantee you, that advice has been given to people in situations that it's ruined their lives and ruined the lives of the people to whom they're married, their children, the people around them. Because it's just a platitude that we can fill with whatever meaning we want. Sometimes it's good advice, right? Yeah, do what makes you happy. Should I order the chicken or the steak? Do what makes you happy. Should I leave my spouse? Uh, maybe not so much, right? But this is a message that gets promoted in our world a lot. What about, uh, I, got a, I got another um, deep philosophic mind. If you believe in yourself, anything is possible. Miley Cyrus said that. That is, and this is no joke, that is about 99.9% .9 of Disney movies. That's the message. Is that good advice? Sometimes, right? Sometimes it's great advice. If you believe in yourself, hey, you've been really studying for that test, you're a little nervous about it, but you put in the time and the preparation, hey, believe in yourself. That's good advice. There's nothing wrong with that. Hey, you have a lot of people in your life telling you you struggle with alcohol and they're saying you got a problem and you need to get it fixed. Believe in yourself is not good advice. These are just hollow platitudes that people have employed to put whatever meaning they want. Here's a better one I wanted to show you. If you want to post something on social media, post this one. If you trust in yourself and believe in your dreams and follow your star, you'll still get beaten by people who spent their time working hard and learning things and weren't so lazy. I like that. That's pretty good, right? I mean, sometimes, yeah, believe in yourself. Follow your dreams. Sometimes those things are good. Sometimes those things are devastating. Here's the struggle, is you can even get conflicting advice from well-meaning Christians. Have you ever had that, where you just got a dilemma, and you go talk to some Christians you trust, and this Christian is over here saying, you got to show mercy. And this Christian is over here saying, no, you got to stand up for yourself. And this Christian is over here saying, well, wait a second. Jesus always, he turned the other cheek. And this Christian over here is like, oh, well, he overturned tables in the temple. What do I do? Do I turn tables? Do I turn cheeks? That would be a great title of a book. What do I do? How do I decide which to do in any given situation? Because you even have Christians sometimes who are offering you conflicting advice. That's tough. That's tough. Who do you listen to? Well, this one... I like this advice, this one's older, whatever. I mean, it's tough. And here's the worst. Here's the worst. Is when bad advice, bad wisdom, wisdom that uh, James talks about later as worldly wisdom, is dressed up in scriptural language. That's the worst. Because then something terrible sounds like something God might say. And it happens all the time. Let me give you a little example. I don't want to get too far into this, but... Um, this is a quote from a best-selling Christian author. Uh, you can ask me the name later, but it's terrible advice. Best-selling. I'm not, I'm not cherry-picking here. This is like number one in the Christian bookstore. You go to the Christian book, and this guy's face is on the cover of all his books because he wants you to buy books. I don't know. He says this. Perhaps this is part of his advice, life advice. Perhaps, this is an example, perhaps... You've been searching for a parking lot, parking spot in a crowded lot. Say, Father, I thank you for leading and guiding me. Your favor will cause me to get a good spot. Now, is that true? Maybe. <laughs> CJ's a little skeptical, and I agree, right? Not sure that that's true. I'm not sure that that's God's highest priority, right? I'm not, and by good parking spot, is that one near the door or is that one way back away from the door because you need some exercise? Like, what's a good parking spot? 
Right? I'm a little skeptical as, like, as if God's wisdom, the wisdom, eternal wisdom of God has come down to us. And he says, I am concerned about how close you can get to Macy's. That's what God cares about. Remember the words of Jesus? Blessed are the poor, for they shall receive good parking spots at the mall. That's what Jesus said. And the thing about bad advice is people give it so confidently, you know? They give it as if this is, I mean, they're not even applying it in their own lives, but they're giving it as this, this is the way you need to live, which of course is how cults get started. But sometimes when you're feeling a little uncertain and you're feeling like you're struggling, a voice of confidence, whether it's true or not, a voice of confidence just feels so calming. And so sometimes we just want somebody to tell us what to do, but we have to have wisdom to discern what they're telling us. And so I, I, it's, it's just... You, and this is important for me to say. Let me just say this real quick. You can absolutely find the wisdom of God in other sources. You can find the wisdom of God in self-help books. You can find the wisdom of God in popular music because the wisdom of God is everywhere. God's everywhere and his good ideas have, have pervaded the world, right? But it's all mixed up in some other stuff and we have to be discerning. And this is what James says. You can find God's wisdom uh, everywhere, but if you lack wisdom, ding, me, ask God ask God. That's the source. And if what this person is telling you isn't checking out with the source, then you got to neglect that person, and you got to go with the source. James 1, 5, uh, the second half of the verse says this, um, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. And I love that. He's already said yes. You need wisdom? God's like, I will give it. I, I'm, I'm here. Wisdom dispenser 24-7. I'm always open. Now, I, I, this is by, by far my number one prayer request in my life, wisdom. And it's not because I'm spiritual, probably because it's the opposite, right? This is but by far, like daily I'm praying for this. Not because I think that I'm, oh, this is my, I'm such a good person, but because I'm constantly confronted with situations where I need God's wisdom. I pray for it all the time, all the time. I want God's wisdom in my life. But, but it's, it's comforting to know that God's already said Yes, I love that James says that God always says yes. There's no strings attached, and he gives generously to all. I love that. That's awesome. Then, we take a strange little turn that has caused lots of people a lot of problems. We're going to cruise through this, but I want to I show you a couple things. I have heard plenty of sermons that start in this next verse and don't even acknowledge the context. And it's just important to note he has not changed topics from verse 5 to verse 6. So let's, uh, let's look at verse 6 and 7. But when you ask, ask for what? You must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. When we see the word doubt, we're drawn to those big philosophical questions. Does God exist? Is he good? Is he all-powerful? We're drawn to those. And some of you probably wrestle with those regularly. You're wondering about that. And you see the word doubt, and you're like, oh, no. He's going to talk about doubt. And the Bible says don't have doubt. And I sometimes wonder about God. I wonder if he's good. I wonder if he's all-powerful. I wonder if he exists. And we're drawn to those questions. I think people who think are drawn to those questions. And maybe you've never lacked certainty in those areas, and that's wonderful, good for you. But I think a lot of people wonder about these big philosophical truth claims. But if, if we're not careful, we can misread this. God is not opposed to honest, healthy skepticism. This is not something you hear a lot from, from a church 
from a pulpit, from a preacher in the church. God is not opposed to honest, healthy skepticism. He's not opposed to that. You're like, wait a second, Patrick. I don't know. Didn't you just read James? He says it sounds like he's pretty opposed to doubt. Sounds like he's pretty opposed to that. But throughout Scripture, you see people who come to God with their deep questions, and God has cared for them. He's answered them in different ways. Sometimes, like in the case of Job, hasn't answered them at all. Sometimes, like in the case of Thomas, poor guy, God's like, here's the evidence. But he's taking care of people who were searching, who were seeking, and God's not been opposed to that. So it, it's like, you know, a lot of you should have some healthy skepticism in your lives. If you, if you are on Facebook, you should have healthy skepticism in your life. Because it feels like a lot of what's on Facebook is stuff that is not true, that is pretty easily verified. Hmm. I mean, it's, it, you, see, you see, I shouldn't do this. I'm going to get in trouble. You see these articles shared from websites like, this is not fake news, I promise.com, right? And you're like, mm, I'm not sure. But it's telling me if I eat 14 bananas a day, I will live forever. Share, you know, like, I think bananas are good for you, man, but like, let's relax a little bit. Like, let's check out some of these sources. Let's make sure 12 easy ways to win the lottery. Uh, I feel like CJ. Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. When I was a kid, you actually had to go to the grocery store with your mom when she was checking out, and you had to look at the National Enquirer headlines while she was checking out to know that the president was an alien. Now it's just on Facebook, and the president's an alien. I knew it. It confirms so much of what I believe. It's wonderful. We need to have some healthy skepticism. But this concept of doubt is important to describe. It's that. It's doubt, wondering if God exists, all that. But it's much more broad than that. The concept of doubt is bigger than whether or not I believe a certain claim is true, although that is involved in this. It is, doubt is, and I believe what James is talking about, and I'll make a case for this here in a second, doubt is trying to live as if two different, even conflicting ideas are true. And you're like, well, I would never do that. Oh, just wait. I will show you how you do that. Two different, even conflicting claims are true. Have you ever thought you were lost? Right? Usually if you think you're lost, you are, right? That's generally how it works. But have you ever, like, been driving and you have a vague sense? This is, of course, before cell phones could check stuff. Or if you're out in, like, rural parts of the country and the cell phone signal isn't very good, you can't get your GPS. And you're like, I think I passed my turn. And you're driving along. I think I passed my turn. And so you turn around, you drive back the other way, and you're like, maybe I didn't go far enough. And then you're like, well, I'm just going to keep going a little bit further. And if, I, I know, I know the whole, like, stereotypical thing. I am one of those guys, whether it's a stereotype or not, I do not like to ask for directions. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if I want to look dumb or what. So, ooh, I maybe didn't go far enough. So I turn around and I go this way again. And wait, maybe I did miss the turn. I'm not, you know, if you were looking at like one of those police cameras and you saw me, you're like, this guy's insane. He's just like going back and forth because he is trying to drive as, because he doesn't know, as if two different things might be true. And it's pulling him in two different directions. Sounds a lot like what James is talking about. James might say that person is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. I want you to, I want you to see, um, see this. Go to the next slide if you would. Actually, the slide after that. One more. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded. I think it's this way. No, 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 no. No, wait, I'm sure it's this way. No. Remember if you have your wife in car or something. It, no, I, yeah, no, it's this way, for sure. Yeah, yeah, this is the way to go. 
No, it's the, I, I know now. I have thought about it. I now, judging by the position of the sun in the sky, I can tell it's this way, right? That person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was relaying a situation at work where they went to a work lunch, and his co-worker was, was a vegetarian, and there are all different kinds of vegetarians, but this one was a uh, very vocal vegetarian, right? Like, it, it somehow made its way into conversation all the time. I'm a vegetarian. Did you know I'm a vegetarian? Yeah, we're talking about the weather. Why is that coming? You know, it, it just came up all the time. So they go to this work lunch, and this very vocal vegetarian sits down and orders chicken. And the whole table is like, are we seeing backsliding taking place here? Or what are we, are, we're gaining insight into someone's, like, they're sinning now. Because they told us they're a vegetarian and they're not doing. And so he asked, he's like, aren't you a vegetarian? And they're like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a very dedicated vegetarian but I sometimes cheat. And he said, me too. I also am a vegetarian who sometimes cheats. In fact, we all are vegetarians who sometimes cheat. Now you're describing a person who just eats food. I don't think you're a vegetarian. I think you're just a regular human being, right? Now, maybe they're saying, no, I generally live my life by the principles of vegetarianism, but in some cases, I will make an exception for certain kinds of chicken as long as I can be, uh, be led to believe it's been treated well in its childhood or whatever, right? Maybe it's something like that. I don't know. But you're basically not a vegetarian, right? Whew. Do you ever think Christians are like that? I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. What are you, a Christian? You do, you do Christian, oh, I do Christian stuff. I'm a Christian. I'm a dedicated Christian. And then, sometimes, well, okay, that wasn't very Christian. Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have thought that. Shouldn't have done that. I, I guess I'm a Christian who sometimes cheats. Now, I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm not saying people don't struggle. But I'm saying that sometimes, we, as believers, are drawn in different directions. Oh, wait a second. I, I don't have doubt. I believe God is real. No, sometimes you live absolutely as, God, as if God is real. Sometimes you do not live as if God is real. And you do your own thing. And you say your own thing. And you wish you hadn't done that thing. Wish you hadn't said that thing. But you made choices as if God wasn't the almighty, all-powerful God. Sometimes you do, right? Me too. I'm describing myself here. Sometimes I'm driving this way. God, I love you. You're the greatest. It's awesome. Sometimes I'm driving this way. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, rain in me till Friday night. You know? Sometimes I'm just pulled in two different directions. And that's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking doubt is someone who is living as if they're living in two different worlds. Now, I realize you're, you're, wait a second, what if I ever mess up? You're saying I'm a horrible person? No, of course not. But I'm saying we've got to understand what James is talking about is not just, does God exist? Is God's real? James is talking about someone who's being given wisdom by God, but then decides to ignore it and be drawn in this other direction. James is saying, listen, buddy, buckle up. Be committed to this. I'm giving you good information, but if you're not going to take this information from God and you're going to go in this other direction, you're, just gonna, you're not going to get anywhere. You're that car going back and forth, and he's saying, commit to something. Commit to something. Stop living as if you're in two different worlds. Let's up the stakes just a little bit here, if you can believe that. I want you to imagine a family, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but a family that this letter might have been written to. 
Remember, everything had been going good for them. They were part of this church in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Fantastic church. Everything's great. People are sharing everything. Wonderful. And then, almost overnight, the tides change, and Christianity goes from this thing that's kind of like people are skeptical of, a little unsure of, to now it can kill you if you, if you claim Christianity. And so these families had to uproot themselves in their lives, and they had to run away. They were scattered away from Jerusalem. The Bible talks a lot about this. And, and in one case, we talked about this hypothetical dad who's having to stay at a brother-in-law's house way up in the middle of nowhere, and he wakes up in this brother-in-law's basement or on their couch, and is just like, why, God, are you allowing this? My, my life was good. Why, why I'm trying to follow you. Why are you allowing this? We talked about how God said through James, we want to develop perseverance in you. So consider it joy when you go through difficult times. Okay. Okay. I can get that. But, but now what? Now what? What do I do? And I have to pay bills. I have to feed my family. I have to take care of things. What do I do now? And maybe James is speaking to this idea. Maybe an opportunity came along and it would take care of their needs. It would feed the family. It would pay the bills, but it would require a compromise of faith. It would require, like, I love God, but this job would require me to live in a different direction. This opportunity. And you see hints of this. I would love to get in just this deep study, uh, even deeper study of the book of James. But you see hints of this in chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, where, where rich people were kind of exploiting uh, the, the Christian believers. And, and maybe you're in this situation and you're legitimately confused. I have to pay my bills, but I want to follow Jesus. And I, I, but, but Jesus asked me to take care of my family, but he says not to do that. And you're li- pulled in two different directions. And you're like, God, what do I do? And God says, I'll give you wisdom, but you've got to commit to a path, commit to a direction. Think about what James is saying to that hypothetical dad. If any of you lacks wisdom, that dad would say, that's me. You should ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea being blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, not because God is withholding because their faithometer isn't built up enough, but because such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. James is saying, stop trying to live in two different worlds. It might look something like this. God, this person hurt me. What should I do? Forgive. Well, they really hurt me. What should I do? Forgive. Well, I don't want them to feel like they're getting away with something here, so what should I do? Forgive. But I've been explaining the situation to some of my friends, and they think that if I forgive, it'll seem weak, and I need to take a stand for myself, so, so what should I do? Forgive right? The path, the direction is clear. All this confusion comes from all this emotional stuff that wells up in those situations. God, what should I do with my money? Be generous. Well, bills are pretty tight this month, so what should I do? Be generous. Oh, okay, but I found this person that needs help, but I think they probably made some bad financial decisions, kind of got themselves in that situation, so what should I do? Be generous. But God, You said help those who help themselves. So what should I do? That was Ben Franklin. Be generous. Right? (laughs) I didn't say that. Sometimes I'm not sure that life is as confusing as we let it be, but rather that it is difficult. And that difficulty creates this confusion that we struggle with. 
Because doubt believes until the pressure is on. Doubt believes until it starts to get difficult. Doubt believes until it comes into conflict with what we want. Doubt believes until it has to stand up to other voices. And then doubt says, okay, I'm out of here. Because this is too hard. This is too difficult. I want to do something as, uh, as we close out here. Um, and, and just as we think about this topic, this idea of James, of living in two worlds. And, and I hope understanding that, you know, we like to read the word doubt and we like to say, oh, those skeptics out there. But he's talking about us. He's talking about us who are wavering between two different realities. God, I'm committed to you. I will do anything for you. Oh, wait, I didn't realize I had this thing, family thing coming up. So, God, I'm, I'm going to have to put you on the back burner for a little while. God, I love you, and I want to do everything I can. I want to be there for you. I want to be church for you. I want to be involved in a life group with you, with you, with, with people at church. I just want to be connected. Oh, well, wait a second. Uh, I, got, I got some other stuff I want to do with my time. Like living in two different worlds, right? I think that's what James is talking about, and that's us. And God is saying, look, if you want my wisdom, I'll give it to you. But you got to commit to going this direction. Because this back and forth stuff, you're not getting anywhere. So we're going to read James chapter 1. Up, we're going to read what we talked a little bit about last week. And we're going to read up to where we'll finish today. Uh, Jordan's going to talk about next week. I'm pretty excited um, about this topic of wealth and poverty and how that affects what people do. Because isn't that a huge strain on our spirituality? makes us, really affects a lot of our choices. But James chapter 1, I just want you to think about everything that we've talked about. We're just going to read the first seven verses. Or excuse me, yeah, first seven verses. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you, know, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. What's James telling us to do? James is saying, listen, buddy, it's tough. I get that. Buckle up and do the right thing. That's what he's telling us to do. But God, it's tough. I've had a cold for three days now. I don't know if I can believe in you anymore. Listen, I know it's tough. We're working some perseverance in you. Buckle up and do what you should do. But God, my, my friends, my spouse is even telling me I should do this other thing. And listen, I know it's tough. But you know what you should do. Buckle up and do what you should do. And I believe that God is probably speaking into some of your lives right now. That God has this, this, this opportunity before you for obedience. And you're wavering. Not because you're not sure what's right. But because you're sure what's right is difficult. And it's creating some confusion. And God, through James, is telling you, listen, stop living that way. It may require sacrifices from your family. It may require sacrifices from your job. It may require sacrifices of your time, of your comfort, of your money. But listen, this is what the wisdom of God is drawing you to do. Can I tell you what your situation is? I cannot. But I can tell you that the wisdom from God, he is giving it to you generously. Let's take God's advice. Let's take God's wisdom and let's live out our faith in this world. 
I'm going to turn things over to uh, Dale as we wrap up this morning.